Who's on first? What's on second? Janeshwi Fargus is in center. The Mets lost two out of three to the Marlins over the weekend, but they return home with their AAA lineup for four games against the Rockies. We'll get into the weekend in Miami. The Irregulars holding down first place and react to Jordan Yamamoto's wife's tweet. And our special guest this week is the newly retired former Mets reliever spent 13 seasons in the big leagues. Hello, Jerry. Jerry Blevins. All that, plus a trip to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, is next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Crazy, yo. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Ooh. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here. Nelson Figueroa, former Mets pitcher and Emmy Award winner there. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Figgy NY. Joining us later in the show, Figgy, we have a terrific interview with the newly retired lefty, Jerry Blevins. Hello, Jerry. Jerry Blevins will join us. We'll have another edition of the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy coming up later in the show. Make sure you're subscribed. Write in your reviews, positive ones, unlike Jimmy. Rate us five stars. The walking wounded continue to hang by a thread. The walking dead down in (laughs) Miami. The bats were dead Saturday and Sunday. Friday, they got some excitement from the likes of Khalil Lee getting his first big league hit. Give them the lead in extra innings in a game that seemed like never was going to end. And then Joneshwi Fargus tried to leg out an inside the Parker, got thrown out of home, but... He was excited because he had a monster hit uh, to give them much-needed insurance that they ended up needing, winning 6-5. You know, the bats were dead Saturday and Sunday. Yamamoto coming up was not great Sunday. But overall, Figgy, like we keep saying this last week, first place, 21-19, game and a half up on the Braves and Phillies, and they continue to hang along despite 16 players on the injured list. 16 and who knows we haven't gotten word yet on Yamamoto he you know came out with a shoulder soreness there's no rhyme or reason for it right everybody keeps calling me and texting me and asking me what's going on what is it what is it there is no rhyme or reason there's nothing that they're doing differently there's nothing that just bad luck right now and even though they're having the bad luck they're still playing well enough although these last two games have been tough to watch with not able to string together two three hits uh, or get that timely hit You know, when you get some men in scoring position, you limp out of Miami, come back home. You're trying to uh, get started and we're going to have the best pitcher in all of baseball on Tuesday night. So that's exciting, at least to look forward to. And team is still in first place. So it's early. And I, I know we keep hanging our hats on first place, which means absolutely nothing if we continue to see these guys go down. But I think more and more guys will be coming off the IL. More and more guys will be able to be put back in the lineup and play their normalized roles. And then we'll see uh, some better baseball uh, in the days coming up. He's coming home. He's coming home. Joe Nashwee Fargus is coming home. Rush away all the pain. You might not be able to pronounce his first name. Joe Fargus making his much-awaited debut at City. This is his first game at City Field tonight, Monday night, right? He has yeah. not played. Everyone packed the building. You know, the fully back sections are going to be chanting Joe Nashwee, Joe Nashwee, 
Khalil Lee, Khalil. I mean, who's on first now is now the skit of the 2021 Mets because by the weekend, J.D. Davis might be back and he might be playing first base. You know, he, he played a little first. I know he's still a little banged up. They said it's gonna. they want a couple more rehab games for him. But like you said, DeGrom will pitch Tuesday. Thank God, because this rotation is depleted. He will pitch against the Rockies Tuesday night. Three 7 o'clock games Thursday at noon. We'll have a post-podcast after Thursday's game at noon. Potentially with uh, the knuckleballer, right, Figgy? We might have R.A. Dickey coming on the program. Oh, yeah. There's no might. Right now, we're, we, we've got R.A. Dickey lined up to uh, help us on the next podcast, which is exciting. We haven't heard from him in a long, long time. So it'll be good to uh, see what he's been up to and get his input and maybe, maybe see what his availability is like. You never For real. Know. I would love to see the knuckleballer back at City Field. I mean, listen, that guy, I remember seeing him, he's a 20-game winner at City Field. And uh, the Mets could use a little bit of R.A. Dickey right now. But listen, Figgy, they're hanging on. And we, we joke around, Janeshwi Fargus, Khalil Lee, I mean, Cameron Maven for the for the four-piece chicken nugget. But guess what? These guys are holding down the fort at least. They're not getting pounded. They're making games competitive. A lot of the credit goes to the bullpen has been, like we say all season, has been pretty fantastic. Um, well, even Wilfredo Tovar had a, a big hit the other night. You know, Brandon Drury's getting a chance. Peraza's getting a are chance. Are you talking about the Mets? I, I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking about. This is you keep. It's so funny because like we uh, you, we've already talked about it, right? Seven of the nine opening day guys, actually, I think it was almost eight of them because you have uh, Jacob Degrom are on the IL. It's crazy to think about when you're saying these names and this. It's Ooh. one after another, and look where they're batting. Like they're even surprised. I'm batting third today. Me? James it, McCann was hitting third on Sunday, and he's been terrible. Tomas uh, Nino again has been better. I mean, if there ever was a time, Figgy, the Mets could use some hitting from McCann and obviously Lindor. It's now these guys and Dom Smith, these three guys have to be the Avengers for the Mets. They have to carry this team, join forces, you know, put the diamonds in the, in the fingers and and punch the opponents because you got to f- you gotta fight. I'm cursing because I need the I need these guys to hit because there's only so much we're gonna get from over 20 Cameron Mabin and Khalil Lee and Joneshri Fargus. Yeah, it, it, it's not the they're the irregulars. It's not the regulars anymore. It's the irregulars, and there's a reason why a guy like Cameron Mabin's available, and we're seeing you know not competitive at bats. You want to see him get on and use that speed, and he's got to find a way to get on first base and make that happen. It's it's not the idea. Jake, it's not the idea. There's no fan that's sitting here going, can't wait to go to the game tonight and watch these Mets. But at the same time, if they get find a way to squeak it out, damn it, you're happy about it because all these wins will matter when it comes, you know, September and late August, early September, when it's crunch time and you're trying to make the playoffs, you know, you'll reach back to, it could have been a lot worse. They could have got swept all the way through. They could have lost 10 games in a row. Could have very easily, but they found a way to eke out some wins. And even on Saturday's game, you know, it was a very close game. It wound up getting screwed on a couple of strike calls. And of course, Mr. Cooper has to do what he does and only hit a home run whenever he touches the ball. He hits a home run there and, and ends the ball game on Drew Smith. But all in all, my biggest concern is the bullpen and how long are they going to have to keep this up? How long are they going to be able to keep this up, sustaining this before they start going down and needing a 10-day rest, you know, in between their, their appearances? So it, it's a lot. And I really wish Jerry Blevins was available because I would love to have seen him. I would love to have seen him eat up a, a couple of innings there. 
Uh, at least you know what you're going to get from him, and you know he's going to be available tomorrow as well. It wouldn't be an IL stint for that guy. Figgy, it went from, you know, too many off days to, like, can we get some more? I mean, it's at the point, like, you're craving them because the bullpen is being used. Give us an off day. But guess what? They're returning home where the Mets are 11-4 and at City Field. And, you know, Jake Brown will be in the building for as much as you can. I mean, this schedule this week, the Knicks are home, the Nets are I mean, what? I can't make myself available to every stadium. I'm sorry to all these home stadiums. But the Billy Joel sing-along is now going to become, you may have been right, you may have been crazy. Oh, oh it boy. might just... <laughs> it's going to go from piano man to you may have been right. It's, uh, it's going to be the new eighth inning Mets sing-along at City Field. And they're good at home. And, you know, it might be a triple-A roster right now. But I think, I mean, you know, you pitched at home. You feel more comfortable. You're back in your own house, your own apartment. You're in your own clubhouse. You got the food you want. Everything's just more comfortable. So maybe that'll help a team that is the beleaguered right now. I mean, imagine they score eight for Jacob DeGrom and Janeshwi Fargus has like a, a grand slam on Tuesday. Like that would this that would be the, the year the Mets are having, it would not shock me if they light up the scoreboard for him on Tuesday. The other story from the weekend that we have to get into is trigger fingers turning into Twitter fingers when it comes to Madison Yamamoto, the wife of Jordan Yamamoto. She tweeted out something. She showed up to support her man's and we like Jordan Yamamoto. He had a rough game. It happens. It's just it's just baseball. That's baseball, Susan. She got maybe... I went through every mention on TweetDeck that she got from Mets fans. And there might have been five in total that were ripping her or ripping Jordan. And she tweeted, wow, from love to now hate so fast, Mets fans. As my phone's blowing up with nasty tweets, I just want to remind you that we're human. I am a wife cheering on her husband. No matter the runs, your passion for the game is great and all. But stay classy with the, I don't know what this, emo, the Hawaii emoji, the stay cool. He's Hawaiian. What's that emoji name? Do we know? I don't know. The, hang 10. That's the hang 10, isn't it? Hang 10? Hang loose. Hang Loose is, I didn't know that had a name, Hang Loose, wow. So anyways, there are Mets fans, there were maybe a couple, and I wouldn't even say the Mets fans, they're Twitter trolls, Figgy. I mean, you've gotten them, we've all gotten trolls coming at us. I went through every mention, and obviously, don't come at the wives of the players. I mean, come at the players is already ridiculous, but you understand that's just a part of the game. She overblew this very much. You're going to get hate, but I saw maybe five. The grand, the 95 to 99% of these tweets were, I'm sorry, these aren't true Mets fans. And when she tweets something like that, she makes people like me and just average Mets fans look bad because I didn't wasn't I would never tweet that 99% of Mets fans wouldn't but there's always those people behind a keyboard who had their profile picture is like a, a bird or like a squirrel or is just an egg that will come at these people and if you take those seriously you got to have a tougher skin than that because there's always trolls out there. So I thought her tweet kind of made a lot of Mets fans figgy look bad. And I didn't think it was right for her to call out an entire fan base when she was in the wrong there. Yeah, listen, it's not a good look. And one of the issues of significant others getting on social media, you make yourself a target, an easy target, because 99% of the time, you're only going to tweet about the good. You're going to rave about how great he is. You're going to rave about him getting called up. My big leaguer, my this, my that. And what happens is he has to live the reality of it. 
he went through a bad game, had a rough game. Please, I know more about that than anybody. I know more about getting called up only to get sent down right after the game. So it, what you hope for is, yes, I want my significant other to be excited. I want my significant other to be supportive, but they make themselves a target by going out there and putting only the good stuff out there, right? And even though it was only four or five people that clapped back at poor at the Yamamoto's in general, you gotta have thicker skin than that. You gotta be able to be like, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. The person is user number, you know, six, five, seven, four, three, two. You gotta have thicker skin. If it's a verified person, if there's a check mark on it, if it's somebody in media that you wanna, you know, call out, Sure, no problem, you know, and, and Mets fans are always going to be behind you. You know the majority of the Mets fans, hey, we've seen it before. We understand. He gave his best. It wasn't good enough today. No big deal. But you can't just always put out the good. You have to be able to weather the storm when there's the bad. It's the same for significant others on Twitter or social media. It's the same for the players because now he's defending his wife. What is he supposed to do? Just let her take all the, the storm? He wants to wear it all. He wants to take it off of her and be like, look, focus on me. I had the bad game. And that's what it should be. But you don't get to dictate that. Once you put yourself in that space, in the public eye, public forum, you have to wear it and you have to be able to wear it in a way where you got to swallow your pride a little bit, take the lumps, make jokes of it. I did that for years. When I first started at SNY, people used to crack on me all the time. They're like, man, this guy can't even say a full sentence without stumbling. And I was like, or, or they said I couldn't read the teleprompter without stumbling. And I was like, dude, I don't, actually don't get a teleprompter. Let me explain to you that as soon as the game ends, I got 30 seconds to tell you everything I know about the question he just asked me without a teleprompter, without any notes, on the fly, and I have to remember every little detail. So it's not as easy as people think it is. We've had people come up there, and they're great in their forums. They're great on the radio. They're great, and they put them on TV, and it's like a deer in headlights. Trolls aren't going to consider that. Trolls don't care about that. Trolls think from their basement, everything is easy. Even playing the game of baseball is easy, but it's not. I talk to players. I talk to girlfriends. I talk to wives, and I let them know you have to be careful because it's not a safe space. The internet and social media are not a safe space when you have public forums. You should have private forums where you can share with the people you choose to have in your box. But when people from the outside feel that they're in your box or want to get into your box, they will let you have it and they want to see if they can get a rise out of you. They want to see if they can bother you. They want to see if they can provoke you. And if you let it, because the four or five people do, now all of a sudden you see her comments. It went from 70 in that first tweet to over what, 900 in the second tweet? So a lot of support, though, from Mets fans, true Mets fans, people that go to ball games and people who, you know, realize that it's a it's not an easy environment to uh, be a professional athlete. in. but this is what I said about Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is going out there and he's duking it up, you know, with everybody that comes at him. He doesn't care. But that's just how he's built. He, he can kind of go like this. Well, it also helps that he's got 40 million and he can go like this whenever he wants. But for a guy like Yamamoto, he's still trying to make his name known. He's still trying to find a place. With all the injuries and everything else going on, he's still not an everyday, you know, everyday option for this team. So, of course, he's got to sit there. And now, all of a sudden, he's got on top of that, my wife, and every time she tweets, is not going to get attacked. It's going to weigh on his mind. It's going to be every time he gives up a run, oh, man, look at everything that's going to happen. It's just a bad, bad look and a bad feeling because you're helpless as the athlete. It's ugly when it's, you know, she's saying Mets fans, and then Yamamoto puts out the message, and he says, two, directed to Mets Twitter. It wasn't Mets Twitter that was trolling. It, it, it was trolling. It was maybe it was Marlins fans. Everything, trolls, everything he it. does, yeah, everything he does, from here on out is going to be ultra magnified because you just called out a fan base. And it's not necessarily that those first six tweets that went to his wife 
We're the Mets fan base. They could be Marlins fans who, you know, are upset that Yamamoto's gone or glad that Yamamoto's gone. But you have to be careful when you call out a fan base. I called out the organization for the way that they handled uh, minor leaguers who put up numbers year after year after year and never got rewarded to go up to the big leagues. And the next day it came out in the newspaper and I got booed off the mound just for that. I didn't call out the fans, but the fans felt, hey, you're talking about our organization. How dare you? They gave you an opportunity. They gave you a chance. And the article wasn't about that. The article wasn't about me and my opportunities. The article was about I played with a lot of guys that you'll never hear of and a lot of guys who should be in the big leagues who will never get the opportunity to be in the big leagues because there's an agenda. There's, you know, how much money was invested in the guy before him and the guy before him. Meanwhile, that guy has been playing. I'll say his name. It was uh, Feliciano, Jesus Feliciano. This guy batted over 300 every year, played a solid outfield every year. And he was a triple A. There was nowhere else to go but to the major leagues. But they would not give him the opportunity. And then finally, when they give him the opportunity, it's on a short leash because, uh, you know, uh, it's a 15-day DL back then. We'll see how he does for 15 days. Oh, he didn't get five hits in a game? Mm, he can't hack it in the big leagues. And then he's gone and you never hear from him again. But at least he had the opportunity to put on a big league uniform. That's something that I don't think a lot of organizations take into account. There's a lot of people busting their ass for their whole careers just for one day. And they sit there and they're like, ah, you know, we'd rather try this rookie kid out, uh, you know, who we gave $3 million to, even though he's only played two months of baseball. So the new baseball has definitely changed that kind of thing. And you have to realize – Everything you put out, as soon as you click send on social media, be prepared. You're going to get backlash no matter what it is. Yeah, Madison Yamamoto actually got a tweet from um, JMY9595 um, who said, this tweet does, however, come across as elitist when you have Madison talking about flying to Miami to see her husband pitch and how much money she paid for the flights and playoff games in the past. Worse than, for the love of God, do we need a mention of how bad your husband was on every single tweet? Sorry, that's uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, that is a playoff Jimmy. Oh, boy. Jimmy gets a lot of airtime on this why, show. Why are, you, why are you hating on Jimmy? Jimmy didn't say that. Don't Jim, make Jimmy out Jimmy's be getting guy. love like the amazing but true T-shirts, folks. Fox 5 and the MSG. Figgy, you, you got to go to the Garden in one of these games. That place, you know, there's some Knicks fans who listen to this show. Electricity in the Garden on Sunday. Playoff basketball is back. The Mets are in first. We don't like to say it, but the Yankees are playing terrific. The Islanders are in the playoffs in a tight series. Why don't we the, like to say it? What do you mean we don't like to well, say it? We're, we don't root for the Yankees. We're not like, Why? let's go. I'm, I'm rooting for a Subway Series. Okay. That's what I want to see. Okay, but you're not every week. You're like, let's go Yankees. You're not saying that. You're not one yeah, of those. Listen, I, I'd, I'd much rather be saying, uh, you know, let's go Yankees than let's go Orioles. Oh, can't wait to play the Orioles. That'd be great. I'd rather, I'd rather the Yankees because that's Goliath, right? The Mets are still considered David. The Yankees are still Goliath, no matter what. Until you find a way to knock them off their pedestal and knock them off for more than just one season, you have to respect them. And I'm a New Yorker, so I'd rather see two New York teams going at it. You kidding me? Yeah, I mean, you just said Orioles, and now you have double-stuffed Orioles just on my fat mind right now. Dude, eat something. It's unbelievable. I need to eat. I, I got to give you credit, though. On a, on a podcast you were on, you did give me a nice compliment. I got to pull up what it was because I should hang it into the Louvre. Is it Louvre or Louvre? I don't know if it's the R-E is silent. The Louvre? I think you said Jake Brown uh, gets the best out of his talent. He has the pulse of the people or something like that, you said. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I was talking about that You know, when you first hired me for the job, and I said, look, I don't want it to be a one-man show. I want it to be... 
me and you at first we were we had a couple of other guys that were going to possibly join us and i said why not you i'd rather it be you because you have been a mets fan for so long and you know the mets lore from the seats and from the pulse of how that moment felt i felt it from the other side of it either i was on the field doing it or i was against the mets doing it so it's, sometimes it's hard for me to relate to those big moments you know what i'm saying so it's been great thus far and, and i think people have been loving the podcast because of it, because they can relate so much to you with your frustrations and even the good times or the bad times, they can relate to you so much and you're funny and you're able to carry it. And then you give me an opportunity to do what I do best and analyze the game a little bit. And then at the same time, keep you from, uh, like I, I said on that thing, I either got to keep you from jumping off the ledge or just kick you right in the ass and push you off the ledge. It's going to be one or the other. And that's what I think brings out the best in us for this show. Any more compliments? Am I handsome? Like, is my head shiny with the cocoa butter? You got anything else for me or is that enough for the day? Uh, the fact that you're still wearing that same jersey for the fourth straight day, really. <laughs> I, I had the game one Nick shirt on it and I was sweating through my <laughs> nipples. Like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Oh, man. The Mets are returning home against the Rockies. Can't wait to be back at City. And then the big series figgy a good test against the braves this weekend and that's why you want someone like jd davis back in the lineup the braves are right there behind the mets they have a little win streak going the nlc east is what we call win streak them. did you did you hear did you see what they did the next day after the mets left town the 20 runs they put up uh seven home runs two grand slams mets got out of there winning two out of three and they were very lucky to do so so that, this is why i say you might not have liked it it might not have been pretty but they got the job done and in atlanta then you saw the next day the dismantling of the pirates you were just glad that you weren't watching <laughs> weren't watching Acuna running around the bases again and again doing the uh it's over sign in the first inning yeah I've had enough of Atlanta teams my god Trey Young just can he like break I, mean, I don't want to root for injuries but can he just like break Sick. his own ankle in game two can we get rid of him for the series my goodness so frustrating you need to do you need to be uh Cobra Kai and uh, sweep the leg for Send real somebody out there to sweep the leg because that dude is incredible he is a big time superstar at, at, in college and you thought ah, I can't translate it's too small he's too frail tell you what boy I, I, I love watching that dude play because he makes things happen where is sensei lawrence when you need him to take out <laughs> trey young i mean god and then he had the audacity to tweet and show off about it let's go nick we hear new york be them in game two mets rockies four games lucasi will probably pitch that thursday afternoon game unfortunately it'll be peterson monday night degrom tuesday likely stroman wednesday and then the braves for three looking forward to that you're listening to amazing but true jake brown nelson figueroa speaking of nelson figueroa we're going to take a trip to the Academy before we chat with the newly retired Jerry Blevins coming up. Ah, bienvenidos, mis amigos. It's time for the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. Of course, Jake Brown is the only student that I have, unfortunately. So it's going to be lots of laughs, a labor of love. This is what I bring to you guys. Today's phrase... We'll go with today's phrase first, because I feel like you're going to be stronger at today's phrase than today's word. Today's phrase, as we talked about with all the names that are popping up in this lineup and you have no idea who you're going to see tomorrow, who's on first? All right. Who's on first? Quien está en primera? Oh, my God. Well, slow it down. Here we go. Quien está en primera? Quien está primadana? <laughs> what? Quien está en primera? All right. One at a time. Quien está Who's Kien? Not a Keanu Reeves. Kien. 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 Está. Está. En primera. En primera. Why does that? What do you have? Razor blades in your mouth? 
I do have to shave every few days, so <laughs> am I. <laughs> ¿Quién está en primera? ¿Quién está en primera? Primera. Primera. It's, it's just one R. It's not three R's. It's primera. <laughs> no, not, you're sounding like a D. That D in your mouth. Oh, R.A. Dickey is coming on the show. Uh, ¿Quién está primera? En primera. ¿Quién está en, en primera? ¿Quién está en... Why is this language so damn difficult? ¿Quién está en, en primera? God. Say the you, last word say, again. You sound like you're saying pre-med. Uh, say the last word. Primera. Oh, it's the primera. Okay. Yes. Primera. Because I'm Druish, It's funny. He didn't look Druish. <laughs> Shout out to Spaceballs. All right, one more time. ¿Quién está en primera? ¿Quién está en primera? Much better. Atta right. boy. We'll right. give you that That's one. who's on first. Now that will you go with the word next. Now the word, which is, it's two words, but it's one, one person. And so shout out to Jerry Blevins. We're going to go with... Retired reliever. Relevo. <laughs> you can't even say it. I started, say laughing, it already. I started laughing already. There's no oh shot my. at this, Jake. There's enough R rolling <laughs> for Snoop okay. Dogg's house. Okay. Jesus. Okay, hold on. Ready? It's relevo retirado. <laughs> what? One at a time. Relevo. 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 Retirado. Retirable. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Relevo retirado. Relevo retenablo. <laughs> you have to type it out for me. Brian, can you type this in the doc we, so I can try like and read it? Yeah, yeah, I need a teleprompter. Relevo retira, retirado. Re Ooh, that was close. Relevo, that wasn't bad. Relevo see, it's easier when I see it. He typed it right. Relevo retirado. What is retirado? Retirado. There's no H in there. How is there an H out of nowhere? Relevo Hideki Arabu. All right, one more time. Relevo, relevo retirado. Relevo retirado. Relevo. I was practicing last week, and the person who was teaching me, a young lady, was saying that the tongue has to go uh, behind the teeth, amongst other places. It has to go behind the teeth. Relevo retirado. Relevo retirado. It's, it's actually to the roof of your mouth. Relevo retirado. Not from the throat. It's not It's not guttural. It's not the Jewish Yiddish. It's not Yiddish. Relato retirado. Maybe I just need to get my... Why are you making your mouth in that shape? Maybe I need to get my tonsils... Maybe I've got my tonsils removed. Relevo retirado. That's, I think that's as close as we're going to get. All right. So, ¿Quién está en primera? En primera. ¿Quién está en primera? En relevo retrato. Ooh, I think I came close there. I felt oh, like I God. came close. I feel like I'm getting closer each week, but still to no cigar. Yeah. You're, you're so close. You're, you're, what is it? You're good from far, but far from good? That's yeah. That's the right story of my life, honestly. And <laughs> speaking of relevo retrato... Relavo retirado, retired pitcher. Relavo. <laughs> Relavo retirado es Jerry Blevins. Relavo retirado e próximo. Jerry Blevins. And oh, Amazing But True. Next. <laughs> 
Joining us now on Amazing But True is a newly retired former Mets relief pitcher. He pitched four seasons for the Amazons from 2015 through 2018 and pitched 13 seasons in the big leagues for the Mets, A's, Braves, and Nats. He finished a career with a dazzling 30-13 and 13 record and a 3-5-4 ERA. He was on the Mets in spring training but decided to hang up the cleats on April 27th after a hell of a career. Let's give a warm, amazing but true welcome to number 39, the pride of Johnson City, Tennessee, Jerry Blevins. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Jake. Hello, Figgy. That was a the heck of an introduction. You're, you're a pro there, I can tell. <laughs> that is the only thing I do well in life besides the chicken farm. Oh, Boom, gives chicken farm is. reference for the show. Hey, those, are, those are two amazing things. You can go a long way as as a showcase that you can do with those two things alone. Some would say they are amazing but true, and that is the name of the show. And we welcome <laughs> you on. Newly retired, you're about a month in a retirement. How has the last month been? Are you sleeping in? Are you eating like a maniac? Are the kids driving you nuts? How's it been? Uh, it's been great, man. Uh, sleep sleeping in is not the case, as as I have two kids under three that you had mentioned. Uh, but it's great. Um, it's been a month, but it feels like five minutes and also like 10 years all at the same time. Uh, my stress levels are at an all-time low, but it's great, man. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Getting used to being home regularly, being around, catching... Uh, Baseball games and and being around family that I've neglected for years. Uh, now I'm now I'm trying to to make up for lost time. Yeah, you see, that's the one of the things that people don't understand that the family that you neglect for so long and the moments that you've missed over the years those pile up. And at some point, you kind of have to weigh that decision, right? What's more important right now? Is it biding my time, waiting for the call, or is it being around my friends and family and being able to participate fully as a human being? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you nailed it. I, did, I gave it that month in Brooklyn. It was an awesome time. I enjoyed every every minute of it. But it got to the point to where am I, what sacrifices am I making and is it worth it? And uh, the sacrifices far outweighed, you know, the possibilities of, of pushing through. And so now I get to, you know, I have a 20 year old niece. I've missed, I've been playing baseball for her entire life. She was born my freshman year of college. So I've literally been gone. And now I'm, I'm just trying to be around being that annoying uncle. Be like, hey, what are you doing today? You know. <laughs> So I'm just I've just been uh, just catching up, man. It's been great. Do you look at the Mets injury situation now and think maybe if I didn't hang up the clades, they might be calling my name uh, today? <laughs> no, no, no. Judging how I feel right now, I would probably be added to that IL list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I made the right call. I woke up yesterday. And I was just like, why does my shoulder hurt? And I threw like three dodgeballs at one of my my little goddaughters had a uh, birthday party at Sky Zone where they do all these trampolines. And I literally, we played like dodgeball. I threw like three and my shoulder hurt. I was like, oh my gosh, retirement came fast. So that was the, so the Mets have not called you in the last month and said, please come back. No, no, no. They, they know they, they can, they felt the finality in my voice when I, when I hung them up. They already gave me the video at the Jumbotron. I think it would be weird to pull that back. <laughs> it's not like it hasn't happened before. And the, I mean, in a case of emergency break glass kind of thing, I would love to see Jerry Blevins baseball card right there like the bat phone just press one button and get him <laughs> called up because I, I listen at this point I would much rather know that when they call down to the bullpen and got you coming in there I'm going to see at least six to nine curveballs that are going to be nice. you know around the mid 60 range which is unheard of these days and guys have never seen it in their careers when they face you for the first time so I would love the matchup if you, you were still available I sit back 
that's why my name right now is next man up. <laughs> I'm waiting for, I'm waiting by the phone, you know, I'm, and, and I'm not, and it's not even a uh, Jay Harwood's butt dial, you know, the infamous Jay no, Harwood's butt dial. That's great. I'm, I'm, you know how that well, works. You, you mentioned it. You, you talked about um, like the known, known commodity of being in that bullpen with all of the uncertainties around all of their, you know, injuries, especially in, in the rotation and in the bullpen. My two things that I wanted to be, I wanted to be available and reliable. So I put my whole career on being ready to go every day and knowing what you're going to get from me. You know, you're not going to get, you know, I'm not going to look like Edwin Diaz one day and then the next day go out and give up a 10 spot. I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to show up every day ready to go. And so those are the two things that, uh, the two abilities I think that were availability and reliability were the two biggest things. Nice job. Figgy saying six to nine curveballs. Very nice. And you probably had some <laughs> 69 mile an hour curveballs over the course of your career, Jerry. Did any of the analytics and kind of the new stuff that's taken over the game not drive you out, but frustrate you? It seems like a lot of stuff is by the books and by the numbers, and that could get frustrating. You got to pull out a card to face this guy, another card for this guy. That had to have been a little bit frustrating towards the last couple of years. Um, there was some frustration, but mostly it's, it's, you know, welcome more information, the better, you know, there's, there's ways to filter through anything coming your way. Um, you either make it help you or you can ignore it. And, and as long as it's coming towards you, it's good. I think a lot of the metrics and, and things that made it better for me just to know exactly why my curveball played, how it was, there were some frustrations with um, like sequencing. There's there's no really um, way for people to quantify reading a hitter mid AB where you can see as a pitcher you have him leaning forward and then my fastball I would like shock him with a fastball in. Whereas if, if you're looking at the data, they're like you should never throw your fastball ever because of these points. And it, you're right in context and in, in a vacuum. But when I see a guy sitting curveball or leaning back or he just doesn't look like himself at the plate, you can take advantage of that. And those things are unquantifiable as we speak. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? But there's a lot of like pitchability and uh, the mental approach to the game that's missing in those uh, those numbers. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think of someone like you or I who have experienced those situations, right? Because I'll sit there and they'll give the game plan for a right-handed starter. You know, we're going to go away with sliders. We're going to do this. And then I show up with an 86-mile-an-hour two-seamer and break Gary Sheffield's bat. And they're like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? I'm like, well, he's four for six with four doubles and two home runs. Of course, I'm going to try and go in and at least open him up a little bit. I can't play on the outside part like everybody else. You were very good at that because you knew your strengths. And no matter what the data says, and data's cool, like reading the hitter, reading the hitter's swing, the situation will dictate something different. And... The ability to spot a fastball when everybody in the park is going, here comes another curveball. That's the beauty of pitching. The beauty of pitching is whenever they're looking for A, B, and C, I can give them X, Y, and Z. Good pitching always beats good hitting. That's just always been the formula. So for you, a guy like you and a guy like me where it seems like there's the analytic department, there's the players, and they try to have a bridge between that. A guy like you is huge to be able to be that bridge to that gap and say, hey, no matter what the data says, you got to pitch to your strengths. What, how am I going to use my third pitch just because it's that guy's weakness? And I hang my third pitch and it becomes that guy's strength. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I completely agree. And that's kind of like the last three years of my career. That's kind of what I did on the side was like explaining to a lot of these young guys that, yes, your data says that your slider is elite, but you also have to be able to locate it. 
There, there was a time I remember in Vegas when I was in AAA at 19 with the A's and a kid in the ninth inning gave up an 0-2 home run to tie the game and it was like a slider and it was right down the middle. And he comes in after after the game and we're sitting there and we're close to each other in the locker room. And he's like, "You get uh, what was my spin rate on that slider? I go, who cares about what your spin rate was? You hung the pitch. Yeah. I was like, you have to be able to execute first. You you can throw a good slider in, in situations and you can throw a bad slider in a situation as long as you know where it's going or you understand what you're trying to do with it. it that's the key to pitching. Stuff plays everywhere but learning how to pitch is a, is a different thing so i i understand that the frustrations a lot of guys forget how to pitch uh and then you see it it shows up in the big league sometimes guys struggle because they don't it's hard to learn at the highest level it's near impossible especially on a team trying to compete jerry blevins is on amazing but true follow him on twitter at jerry blevins follow him on instagram at jblev13 what's the proudest moment of your 13 year career Oh man, proudest moment. That's a that's a weird one to spring on me. There's a few moments in my career personally facing King Griffey Jr. and striking him out is you know uh, a dream is since I was a kid it was it's literally like I did it in my backyard a million times you know what I mean it was I faced him and then I I did it and I'm sitting in the dugout in Oakland and I'm like oh my gosh that really just happened I really got to face my childhood hero. Like it was one of those moments forever. Um, and then I, I really pride myself on, you know, late September and then in the playoffs, my ability when the lights are the brightest, when the, the game's on the line, when that pressure's really there, the things that I, I did because I felt like I shined and I was at my best when our seasons were hanging in the balance. And so I think those are, you know, something that the fan bases really appreciate and managers appreciate it. And that's, that's a prideful point for me. What do you think was the key to that? Was the key to it getting more psyched up or being able to control your heart rate? 100% control my heart rate. You know, I played with so many guys that like redline. You know what I mean? Like I played with Grant Balfour in Oakland that was the most angry human being on the planet by design on his way to the, you know, on his way to the mound. I couldn't repeat that every day. And I wanted to make sure that I was, um, like I said, it was that reliability. You know what you're going to get from me. And the way to do that is to do it at an even keel. So to be in the moment, to be able to slow your breathing down and be like, all right, this is baseball. Who am I facing? What do I have to do here? What is he trying to do? And to just be able to slow it down in the moment, that's that's my favorite part. Those are the that's where I shine because you can slow it down and be like, all right, I am in control. I have the ball. You're gonna have to hit this wherever I want to put it. And good luck. You were a guy a lot of times who came in and, and faced one batter and they changed that rule. Maybe the three batter rule drove you out of the game, Jerry. We don't know. But as as a pitcher, I'm curious in that spot when you're coming in for one guy were you like all right this is my job or were you like hey Luis or hey Mickey or hey Terry leave me in the game for the next inning or leave me for another batter or you knew coming in I'm facing one guy and that's it I I knew coming in it's it's difficult it's a it's a hard job you know I was sad to see that kind of eliminated it was on its way out you know especially with with all these guys that have just plus plus stuff they just come in and do their thing lefty or righty it doesn't matter but for me that's it's an art form you know, I'm coming in to face one guy in the biggest situation in the game, or at least at that moment. And then my job is pass fail. There's no like I did pretty good, but he, you know, got a hit. Like I either did my job and we go on with a chance to win, or I don't do my job and we're down runs now. And so I really loved that part of my job. And as a professional, they told me this is going to be my job. As soon as I got to the Mets, they said, Sandy goes, this is what we want you to do. We want you to get the biggest left-handed hitter in the biggest part of the game out. So you focus on that. And as a as an employee, 
that's all you can ask for is somebody to describe what they want you to do. And it's on me now or on you to do that job. And, and I thrived and I loved it. And it was a chess match and, and high leverage situations every time. It was hard and frustrating, but a beautiful thing. And it was fun. And I'm grateful for every chance I got to do it. Yeah, that's something that you hit on very much so is having being involved in the game plan, right? Knowing what your role is. And it's not just knowing what your role is, but hey, just focus on doing this one thing. If you had that to do, it makes it really easy, right? But at the same time, I feel like some things that are lost are that you can get a right-handed hitter out. You have the ability to do that because the curveball can play just as well because of the, the speed differential. How do you feel about in today's game with that specialized kind of thing that they're almost telling you, you can't do it. And so in your mind, it's almost like you can't do it. You become to believe that. And when now you got to face three hitters, all of a sudden, for the first time, guys are facing righties that they've never faced before. And already mentally, they're kind of in their head saying, well, I've never done it. I can't do it. They said I'm not good at it. And I'm not going to be good at it. Yeah, that that's the hard part is is that that mental preparation. I I faced I was a full inning guy pretty much my whole career. Well, it was my whole career until I got to New York, and they were they said this is what we want you to do. And so being able to do both is is very important, and it keeps you well rounded. It's like playing multi sports in high school coming up. It keeps you grounded. It, you're able to see something when a right handed hitter's in the batter's box and a left handed hitter's. They're different visuals. It helps you learn the strike zone better learn learn where to put the ball it's a little bit frustrating when when some guys in today's game aren't they're not allowed to try to fail you know because they have so much there's so much talent in today's game with pure stuff that guys aren't able to experiment and learn their craft especially when they get pushed to the big league so fast because they do you know maybe one thing elite and then they have to do that and only that because, you know, if they're working on something and it, and it costs them a run, that's hard to explain to your boss when you're like, hey, I'm just trying to learn this craft. Whereas you could have done that in the minor leagues on your way up. But there, there's just so much talent in today's game that, that the specializing forces the lefty specialists, you know, the the righty coming in and submarine guys, those are those are going away. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just the evolution of baseball. All right, let's close on the 2021 Mets here. You were briefly a part of them. You you pitched with some of these guys. You saw these guys at the alternate side. Is this a championship team? We're in first place right now. Uh, but is this a championship team put together? Tell us what you think about this team. Uh, this is a championship team if everybody gets healthy. It's not a championship team without Degrom and you know the best pitcher in the game. You're gonna you're gonna be an uphill battle without you know the most dominant force in baseball. Uh, but this team is really good. They're in first place. They're hurt everywhere, and they have you know, the their best position player and, and Francisco Lindor underperforming at the plate, you know, and they're still in first place. So I think they have an ability to to climb out. There's a lot of really, really good talent on this team. If they can stay healthy and they can get some guys on track to at least be serviceable at the plate, the sky's the limit for this team and, and the National League's wide open, especially the, the East with everybody beating each other up. All right. And lastly, what's next for you? Obviously, family man, take care of the kids. Do you have any ventures or projects that you have in the works? here yeah yeah i've been doing a, a few things you know uh sny is great i've got a uh like a real estate arm that my brother and i have been doing for the last few years that i'm able to to, to be a more physical part of now and uh i'm not sure what my next chapter will be i'm not sure if i'm gonna do tv work go into an organization work for the union you know 
all sorts of stuff. So I'm, I'm just kind of living and enjoying life. This game has given me a lot. I don't, I don't need to go out there and, and force myself into a job, uh, just for a paycheck right now. And so I'm just going to enjoy, you know, being around and, and slowing things down and find something that I really want to do and, and dive full head, headlong into that. So I'm being patient and, and maybe overly so, but I'm going to enjoy it on the way there. Listen, you said the, in the biggest moment you learned to control your heart rate. You seem like you're in a very good place right now, brother. And I'm happy for you. I appreciate it, Figgy. Uh, I, I really am. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, the, the second day, the Mets, the Mets did so good for me, like especially the production. I got to have like a little bit of a curtain call. Uh, they put the, my video on the Jumbotron, had Mr. and Mrs. Met come down to me and my family, I had my boys there. I'll be forever grateful. A lot of players don't get to have that kind of moments. It's, it's super rare. Um, and that was like the perfect cap for me. And I, I, I have zero regrets and I'm forever grateful and I'm excited for the next chapter. I was there for that. And it was awesome to see you get that uh, ovation. And I was there cheer clapping my hands for you, Jerry. And Best of luck to you. 13 years in the big leagues, four memorable years with the Mets, a 30 and 13 career record. Jerry Blevins, we say hello, Jerry. And now we say goodbye, Jerry. Thank you for coming on Amazing But True. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. That says hasta la vista, baby, to episode 54, the TJ Rivera Rally Dildo Edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. God, you found a way to get it in. Thanks to you, Jake and Brian Munguia, for producing this show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Or don't write in a nice review. We'd love to read those on the air as well. Gracias, mis amigos. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. Always find a way to get it in will be my motto. We'll be back on Thursday night following the Mets' final game of their four-game series in Queens against the Rockies. I'll see you at City Field. Come grab an Amazing But True shirt. Let's go, Mets.